0: And stay tuned at 4 p.m. today when we bring you a special with Davey D. and Sabrina Jenkins about the Meserly sentencing that took place earlier today. That's at 4 p.m. Right now you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. It is 3 p.m. Up next is Cover to Cover. Stay tuned.
1: I'm your host, producer, Nina Serrano, with my Poet to Poet series. Today's guest is the Poet Laureate of San Francisco, Diane DiPrima. She is the fourth Poet Laureate in a list of distinguished artists. Lawrence Ferlinghetti, Janice Miracatani, Deborah Major, and Jack Hirschman. The mayor of San Francisco announced her appointment last May. Allen Ginsberg said of Diane de Prima that Diane de Prima, revolutionary activist of the 1960s, Beat literary renaissance, heroic in life and politics, a learned, humorous, bohemian, classically educated, and 21st century radical. Her writing, informed by Buddhist equanimity, is exemplary in imagist, political, and mystical modes. A great woman poet in the second half of the American century, she broke the barriers of race, class identity, delivered a major body of verse brilliant in its particular end quote well what ginsburg didn't know is that she would be a major poetic player and activist in the early 21st century she is the author of over 40 published books it's a pleasure to have in the kpfa studios today diane de prima welcome diane de prima thank you very much nina Diane, I wonder if you could tell us a little of your work and what you've been doing since your appointment a little over a year ago as Poet Laureate.
0: Well, my idea of what to do as Poet Laureate, because of the nature of the times and the... um difficult times we're in and everyone seems to be worried and upset and frightened all the time is to bring forward poetry as a form of celebration to encourage celebration through song throughout the community and also I wanted to work with the little kids as much as I could so I'm I've started a series of workshops in the libraries for after school for children, mostly that and in grammar school. I haven't extended it yet to um, middle school. But
1: So what poems have you brought to share with us today, Diane De Prima?
0: Well, I thought I'd start by reading the first draft I wrote for to develop my ideas of what I wanted to do as Poet Laureate. Um, I wrote it for... Um, in the summer there was an international poetry festival last year in San Francisco and I wrote it for my reading there which was my first poet laureate duty so first draft first draft poet laureate oath of office for all poets everywhere it is the poem I serve luminous through time That celebration of human breath, of melos. It is and always has been the music, androgynous and ruthless as any angel, scattering words that need no radio frequency, no broadband. It is the light on the ocean here, the sky in all its moods, luminous fog that wakes me up to write something I call. The imp of the short poem. It is the people of San Francisco in their beauty. Bright, luminous eyes looking out from homeless faces. Looking up from gardening, skateboarding, singing, playing cards, playing ball, barbecuing in their backyards. The folks in the Mission, the Excelsior, in Bayview, Hunter's Point, Japantown, North Beach... The folks in the sunset, working, passionate, angry, silent, powerful in their silence. My friends and neighbors, parked at Ocean Beach and Twin Peaks, in their cars, watching the sun go down. I watch, I work, I serve them, too. My vow is... To remind us all to celebrate. There is no time too desperate. No season that is not a season of song. So that was my first thinking about what I thought my duties and so on would be. I like that. uh, That you felt your duty was to remind us to celebrate. Yeah, I think that we the uplifting of the world is part of what we have to do of course as activists we have to always search out what's wrong but not only look at what's wrong but what's possible what could be done and the power of the imagination that the surrealists were always talking about is so important for that when i i want to read the end of the oath that i took on my birthday when we had a ceremony in uh in a loft that i rented and um the oath of office was administered by Ron Turner, one of my uh, publishers. I swore on a collected John Keats, put my hand on it, and the end of that oath was: "Every vision is holy. The power of imagination is vast, and poetry guards the old roads and opens new ones. Every day the poem cuts trails into the realms of gold, the alchemical gold." of the mind and um... I thought um... another thing while I'm thinking about the laureate thing and it induced me to write a lot of stuff just just taking it on um, there was a wonderful event in, in the mission There was a wonderful event in the main library of course for, to inaugurate me on Feb- in february february second of this year so i really took office in february of 2010 then there was a wonderful event in mission cultural center where poets welcomed me it was very very moving it was many people that i've known forever and many people i just met that night and i want to read a little of that right now it's called some words about the poem And I believe, Nina, you translated it into uh, Spanish. No, I think that was Francisco. Francisco, Ah. Okay. Poetry can bring joy. It can ease grief. It bridges different worlds and myriad cultures. Poetry can bring rain and make the crops grow. It smooths the path for the traveler and brings sleep to the feverish child. Poetry is our heart's cry and our heart's ease. It constantly renews our seeing so we can speak the constantly changing truths. Poets speak truth when no one else can or will. That's why the hunger for poetry grows when the world grows dark. When repression grows, when people speak in whispers or not at all, they turn to poetry to find out. What's going on?
1: You have just heard Diane DiPrima, San Francisco Poet Laureate, reading her original work.
0: Can you read us some more of your poems, Diane? Of course. I I thought I would um, share with you something I read at the library on February 2nd. I wrote it in the mid-90s. I had been thinking about what makes... I've been thinking about the fact that I always thought I had given myself to my art, but actually, in some part of my mind, I had a, I had a deal with poetry. There was something I, I somehow, in some place, expected back from it, although I never admitted it. So I started to look at what that was. What did I want from poetry? So the you in this poem is I'm talking directly to poetry as if it existed as a person. Not necessarily the muse, poetry. And it's in itself poesia. Okay. I want the. It's called the Poetry Deal, which, by the way, is going to be the title of the book, the poet laureate of my book in the poet laureate series the City Lights Books puts out, the Poetry Deal. I want to say that I don't want anything, but the whisper of your scarf as you do the dance of the seven veils soft sound of your slippers on the carpet and the raw still bloody meat you toss my way that i chew on all night long i want to say i don't want anything you don't already give me trips to other worlds dimensions of light or sound rides on the back of a leopard on those black rocks high over some sea or gorge but it isn't true I want all that, sheet lightning of quasars that you dance between, those colors, yes. But I want you as mother, sister, stone walls of the cave I lie in, in trance for seven days. The mist around my cabin that makes it invisible. I want the flare and counterpoint of words and I want the nonverbal but can never be spoken as a foundation. I'd like my daily bread, however you arrange it, and I'd also like to be bread or sustenance for some others, even after I've left a song they can walk a trail with. I don't think we've talked about money or success or fame, whatever that is, for a long time. I hoped you'd forget that part. Now I'll do as you say about all that, whatever seems most useful. I'd like to keep learning how to brew bitter herbs and how to make them translucent, edible, almost crystalline. What I offered you wasn't much. You can always wake me like my closest friend ...or most loved lover... ...you can burn my favorite snapshot of myself... ...lead me on pass... ...or non-pass... ...anywhere... ...you cannot make sense... ...for years... ...and I'll still believe you... ...drop husbands... ...tribes... ...and jobs... ...as you wish... ...you mostly aren't jealous... ...have taken your place... ...alongside gardens... ...bread making... ...children... ...printing presses... But when your eyes shoot sparks and you say choose between me and it, it has always gone. Except when it was my kids, I took that risk and we worked it out somehow. Now I've come to a place where there are no kids, no tribe, no bread, no garden. Only you, in your two faces, formed and formless. Nothing to hold back now, and nothing to offer. I stand before you a piece of wind with a notebook and pen. Which one of us is it, dances, and which is the quasar? That's the poetry deal. What a remarkable deal. It's an interesting it's, deal.
1: It's, it's something I've never thought of before, but of course, every poet has made a deal with poetry.
0: I think mostly we don't think about it and we don't admit it once we do. My students are shocked when I ask them to think about what's the deal you've made with your art. What do you expect from it? Yeah,
1: what a remarkable poem. And you You, probably could only have written it at this moment in your life. Yeah, I
0: wrote it in 93, but yeah, late. It had to be late. Yeah, 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 it is not a useful poem. No, I started writing, I mean, my first book came out in 58. I started writing seriously when I was 14, so in 1948. But dropped everything else for it by 53 when I dropped out of college, so... Yeah, it took 50 years to write that poem.
1: So that was quite a deal you made 40 with years, poetry. No, 40 years. Yes. yes. Please read a um, this poem.
0: Okay, I thought, um, having established that business about being a poet laureate and also what my deal with it is, I thought maybe I'd share a little new work. And it's two ongoing series that I'm working all the time. That is to say these poems never stop. One is The Revolutionary Letters, which used to be that every time a new edition came out, all the new poems would be added from the last, from the last time. The first revolutionary letters were in 60, 68, I think, 67. And they were written to be read off the back of a truck in Spanish Harlem and the Lower East Side and everywhere we could get to. We had a portable generator and amplifiers. So they were performance pieces. And this one I wrote, um, was it two weeks ago, that there was a, uh, a benefit for uh, Haiti. It started out to be for, and then it was for Haiti and Chile. Chile. And then it was for Haiti, Chile, and Tibet. And we could have added the Gulf by that time. Yeah, we had weeks of disaster after disaster. Yeah, I don't think it's going to stop. So I wrote that this today that... I had no idea that I wanted to write a new thing, but I finished my morning meditation with my partner. We both sit together in the morning and went to my room and said, I think I'll be writing a little while, and I shut the door. And two and a half hours later, I merged with this and went to the computer and typed it up. And it was done by 1.30, so 10.30 to 1.30, and then read it that evening. Haiti, Chile, Tibet. Let's stop for a moment to remember what we are. A handful of tribes on a rather small rock where water streams over arable earth into large living waters we call ocean. A rock that has closed itself in an ocean of air and we walk on that ocean floor and look out at a vast soup of consciousness We call empty space. And all is not well with our rock. It might even come apart. Could be it will soon be another asteroid belt or meteors, just a bunch of meteors. While our rock is shaking and water pours from the skies and the winds have turned demonic, could be it's time maybe it's really time to rewrite the social contract or at least change the rules that apply to catastrophe and that might soon be every day there are lots of us and we are swarming like bees social contract just a few suggestions one all hands on deck means just that. It's a really small boat. Two, anyone bringing help anywhere it's needed, bringing water, food, blankets, medicine, is welcome, obviously. Don't ask where they're from. Just say thank you. And we'd better learn to say thank you in hundreds of languages. Three. All borders disappear in catastrophe. They are stupid and irrelevant anyway. Four. There is no such thing as looting in a disaster. Think about it. After Katrina... After Rita, all the others, after the quakes in Chile, Haiti, Kobe, Managua, look back a bit. Can you call it looting when anyone breaks plate glass, comes out with food and water, medicine, camping supplies, whatever? Is that looting or just plain sanity? Keeping your family keeping each other alive? Five, there is no place for police or army in tragedy, except as facilitators, distributors. Unarmed, they should walk the streets, bringing food, putting out fires, digging people out, rescuing those stranded on rooftops or bridges fleeing the waters. They should be digging latrines, putting up shelters, helping families find each other. Six. Every building still intact should open its doors to everyone. What else are guest rooms for? Whoever comes to your door should be taken in. I learned when I was four. She's your guest. Should be given the best of what you've got. Even if you thought she had been your enemy. Nothing special there. It's a universal law. law, And it's why we're still around it all as a species. Think about it. Seven. Give up confusing your property with your life. Give up confusing your property with your life. This will save a lot of problems. Stuff comes and goes. And holding on is like holding back a river with your hands. Eight. Stop asking what others believe or where they're from. Just look in their eyes and see we are the same, they are the same as your most beloved, be it your child, your lover, your pet. No child is hungry anywhere who is not your grandchild. How long will you let her wait? No child is orphaned who is not your son. And what will it take to make us remember our own? You just
1: heard Diane De Prima, San Francisco Poet Laureate, reading her original work here on KPFA. Thank you so much, Diane. You're very
0: welcome. I enjoyed it very much. Well, we have time for a few more poems. Oh, good.
1: Did you have some new work you
0: wanted to share? Oh, yeah, sure. Of course. <laughs> Of course. I can't I have to tell you, Nina, that right now poems are happening faster than I can keep up with them. Nina, they... You write them by hand and then you have to make time to also get them up on the computer. Oh yeah, I have never written I've written prose on the computer, but I don't I can't somehow it's never it doesn't work for me. It comes from the the heart to the shoulder down the hand into the ink. <laughs> I've been writing the other thing I've been writing for a very long time. There's a series a serial poem not not like um cream of wheat cereal <laughs> like a series poem um is loba and it came out in 78 and then in 98 it came out but it was twice as long there was a whole book too and since then, of course, it's been happening and happening. That's yeah. one of your most famous
1: books at uh, the poetry reading at the Mission Cultural Center. In February, Lorna De Cervantes got up and spoke about that mm-hmm. book and read her poem about the book. Blog upon yes. yeah. yeah.
0: So a couple of years ago, there was a period where for a couple of... Um, Oh, I don't know, two months, a month and a half. Um, middle of, I mean, the end of July to the middle of September. It was happening so fast. And I never try to make, I never try to make poems happen. I wait till, as I say it, I wait till Loba visits. And when she visits, the Wolf, she visits. And she's not easy. She doesn't care how old your body is. She still wants you to do the work, all of it. So this whole section of that happened some ways later. I'll talk about that at this time, but it happened, a whole chunk of it happened in two nights. One was August 11th, one was August 26th, and um, I'll read a part of the long early ones, and then I'd like to read a couple of short ones, but I won't read the whole one of these. This whole section is now being called Loba Desesperada, uh, the Loba Desperate. She's always been fierce, and warrior, never desperate before. So that shocked me. Here, at the dead end of this final canyon, have we at last outwitted death? This black hole, no water, only sheer rock opening to a V of sky? Where the sun will find us, strike and strike again, like a grim mother, Medea of the stars. Oh mother, was it for this I flew headlong, lamp of Orion like a miner's cap at my brow, while I chipped and chipped at stone walls through the night. And that lost caravan of sweeping gypsies, my friends, turned to pointless dust, turned to so much sand, no harvest, just silence melting to song, no final flight to the edge of open space, only this cul-de-sac, blacker than any night, blacker than jet or onyx, where emptiness... Of emptiness. Shows her teeth. And at last. We love her. And in this, in this black rock canyon. Lost water hole. We wait for the sun. To suck the juice from us. Leave nails and hair. Leave geometric bones. On shivering ground. Two. Sifting darkness out of the night, like grains of black sand from a midnight storm. That frightens me to think that that happened two weeks before Katrina. Just scares me when I think about it. Uh, Artists are antennae. We probably have time for a final poem. Okay, I'll read uh, two very short ones from the same section. Uh cast at a late age from the realm of song like a small fish stranded on the sand while the sun drinks color from her scales and the last one I'd like to end was a very short poem about Loba that came shortly after this section don't look for her only out of the corner of your eye Sometimes she comes straight on.
1: Thank you, Diane deprima. You've just been listening to poet laureate Diane deprima, poet laureate of San Francisco, reading from her own work. Thank you so much, Diane, for taking time out of your busy schedule to share your wonderful
0: poems with our KPFA audience, poet laureate of San Francisco. And can I say that if anyone wants to get in touch with me to be on a mailing list for events or workshops, they can email me at www.ddiprima.com. That's my first initial and my last name, D-D-I-P-R-I-M-A, at earthlink.net. Thanks.
1: 2010 for free speech. KPFA is looking for 2010 subscribers between now and the end of the year. It doesn't matter if you're a current subscriber, or if you let your subscription lapse, or if you're a new subscriber. Visit kpfa.org today to be part of the 2010 for free speech. Subscribers will be eligible for special thank-you gifts like KPFA gear, a CD-DVD collection of KPFA's 2010 speaker series. The best of KPFA programming, and that's just a few. Visit kpfa.org and become one of 2010 for free speech in the year 2010. 94.1,
0: KPFA in Berkeley, KPFB in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org at 4, excuse me, 3.30 p.m. It will be Free Speech Radio News, so please stay tuned.